Welcome to Big Papa Rob's Podcast Story Rewind. I'm Big Papa Rob. Here I rewind the story of a person, place, or thing and tell you where it originated from. This is a follow-up story to last week's podcast about Keeslin Roberts. In last week's episode, we talked about Caleb Smith, the young man that disappeared two days before Keeslin did from the same truck stop. Stick around for his story. Let's rewind this story to its earliest beginnings. Caleb Nathaniel Smith, born November 6, 1998, in Dalton, Georgia, to his parents, Jacob Smith and April Arrington. When Caleb was two, his parents separated. His father passed away when Caleb was just eight years old. The loss of his father took a toll on young Caleb. When Caleb reached high school, he struggled with academics. A lot of the struggles were related to mental health issues. His mother allowed him to quit school, and he enrolled in an online program and was able to pass the program and get his diploma. Caleb had a dream to someday being a herpetologist. He loved reptiles. Caleb's mental health issues continued to plague him. He attended therapy and managed it with medication. He eventually moved in with his grandmother in Etton, Georgia, so he could refocus on his life, according to family, and was doing well. January 16, 2020, at around 11 p.m., Caleb told his grandmother that he was going to see some friends. He asked his grandmother to leave the deadbolt unlocked, indicating he was coming right back that night. He drove to the Flying J truck stop in Resaca, Georgia, getting there sometime around midnight. At some point after leaving his grandmother's house, he tried to call her to see if she could give him some money, but she didn't answer. Presumably, She was asleep. He tried calling his other grandmother to borrow some money, but she couldn't help him at the time. While on this call, he walked into the Denny's and sat down. Once in the Denny's, there's some security footage of him in the restaurant going up and talking to another man who appears to be a white gentleman with red t-shirt, blue jeans, and white sneakers. Caleb appeared to have a black tee on with dark jeans. He goes up to this person's table two different times. It's presumed that he may have been asking for money for gas. According to the time on the security footage, he left Denny's at 1248. I watched the footage several times, and to me there's no indicator that he acted strangely or under the influence of anything. That was the last time Caleb Smith was seen alive. 
January 17th, 2020, Caleb's grandmother grew concerned throughout the day since he wasn't home when she got up that morning. It didn't help that when she tried to call him, the calls went straight to voicemail. I'm assuming Caleb had left a voicemail the night before when he called his grandmother because she went to the Flying J to look for him. She arrived around 3 p.m. at the Flying J, and there she spotted his 1996 Cutlass Supreme, backed into a parking spot. She also noticed another car sitting next to Caleb's car. This car made her feel ill at ease and didn't want to approach the car by herself. So she called another family member, and when they arrived, the suspicious car drove off. Once they approached Caleb's car, they found the car doors unlocked and Caleb's keys in the floorboard of his car. His jacket was left in the front seat and found his cell phone with the battery taken out and locked in the glove box. They also noted that he had a half a tank of gas, which is odd since he needed money for gas. The grandmother called the Gordon County Police when they couldn't find Caleb anywhere. They came out briefly and looked around and didn't feel the need to process the car. There were no outside cameras in this section of the parking lot to see what happened after he went outside of the Denny's that night before. The only thing that could be done at this point was to file a missing persons report. January 20th, April, Caleb's mother went to the Flying J to meet the store manager. This is when she saw the footage of her son inside Denny's before he went missing. The manager at the time informed her about Keeslin Roberts going missing on January 18th from the same very truck stop. I would have to assume April arrived at the Flying J after Keeslin's father had been there on the 20th, because the 20th was when Keeslin's father reported her missing after finding Keeslin's car in the same section of the parking lot, only five spots away from where Caleb's car was located. Both cars had been backed into the parking spaces when found. If you listened to my podcast last week, you know the Keeslin Roberts story already. If you haven't heard it, go back and listen to episode 18. During my investigation on Keeslin Roberts is how I found out about Caleb's story, and I felt it needed to have his story told as well. It's just too much of a coincidence with the timing and the similarities with where and how the cars were found. Now, the police say there's absolutely no connection between the two cases. But listen to the two stories and form your own opinion. We jump to the February 2nd, 2020. A property owner calls 911 to report a small brush fire at or near 389 Hill City Road in Sugar Valley. This location is about five miles from the Flying J. Gordon County Fire Department and the Georgia Forestry arrive on the scene at 1639 to put out the fire, which was about a 40-feet area. 
While inspecting the area, either the property owner or a member of the Georgia Forestry Union discovered a body about 200 yards away from the fire. The body was nude with no shoes, laying half in and half out of some pool of water face up. They suspected this was Caleb. The body was transferred to the GBI crime lab in Atlanta to compare dental records. The family was never allowed to identify him or to see the body in person or by photos. They were instructed that even at the funeral home, when the body was released to the family, that they could not view the body. I find this odd. Maybe not as much not allowing them to see the body, but at least pictures for the family to confirm for themselves that this was really Caleb. April, Caleb's mother, had a discussion with a coroner regarding how the body was found and the toxicology report. According to the coroner, police officer, fire inspector for Gordon County, as he described himself in this phone call, Caleb was found lying face up in a pool of water half in, half out. He had some scratches supposedly consistent with walking through brush on his legs and had some puncture marks on his feet. April, Caleb's mother, had a discussion with the coroner regarding on how the body was found and the toxicology report. According to the coroner, police officer, fire inspector, for Gordon County as he described himself in this phone call. Caleb was found laying face up in a pool of water, half in and half out. He had some scratches supposedly consistent with walking through brush on his legs and had some puncture marks on his feet. Toxicology report came back positive for methamphetamine at 0.24. The coroner went on to say that they believe the body had been there since he went missing when April asked him. Their theory is that Caleb walked to this location and because he was so high on meth that he took his clothes off at some point because he was so hot from the side effects of the drug and laid down in the water he was found in to cool off and died there. April asked the coroner, Is there any mud on his feet when he was found? But the coroner stated no. That's because of all the rain they had since he went missing. According to the coroner, they had about 10 inches of rain since Caleb went missing, and the rain washed off all the mud. The autopsy revealed no indications of violence or evidence of foul play, and the police closed the case. His case listed as immediate cause of death methamphetamine intoxication, and was determined an accident. Caleb's clothes or shoes have not been found to this day. The police surmise that after he left the Denny's that he got meth from someone at the Flying J and got high and walked away to where he was found. Now you've heard the facts according to the coroner and the police department. Now I want to talk about some discrepancies. There's a phone call recorded 
and dispatch recordings available from a short podcast that April put together on Spotify. One of these recordings is of the fire department contacting dispatch the day of the fire and when Caleb was found. The fire department is calling the dispatch to confirm the time that they were notified of the fire and what time they arrived. The fire department asked what time the coroner was notified, which was 1631. And then when asked when he arrived, dispatch said they didn't have a time and the fire department said, okay, I'll put down 1631. Based on this conversation, the coroner never went to the scene. Days later, I don't know how much time had passed. There's a conversation with April and the coroner, and he tells her that he was at the scene and saw the body. Was he really there and didn't follow protocol and contact dispatch when he arrived? You would think he would be very knowledgeable of the protocol since as he put it in the phone call with her that he's the Gordon County coroner police officer, and fire inspector. When April was speaking with the coroner, she asked him about the fire and how it started. He stated it was an accidental fire. Maybe a chain dragging behind a vehicle caused a spark and started it. But in another conversation to dispatch from one of the forestry guys speaking to a police officer, the forestry guy tells the officer that the fire was arson it was determined by the chief forestry ranger on the scene. Was this an accidental fire or was it an arson? You would think the fire inspector of that county would know the difference. Could the fire have something to do with Caleb's case? Could the fire have been started to dispose of Caleb's clothes? Or is it just a coincidence, as law enforcement would like you to believe? Now, if you remember my story on Keeseland Roberts, Gordon County Police, in her case, wouldn't even do a missing persons report when she went missing from the Flying J two days after Caleb disappeared. They wouldn't take any prints from her car either. Now, you would think that within two days, you have two people close to the same age go missing from the same place. There might be a connection. Not in this county, but in her case, she was already a known drug user in the eyes of the county's law enforcement because of her probation. They chucked her up as a runaway, not deserving of their time. And as Caleb's drug screen came back positive, his case was suddenly closed and no foul, as the police department officer put it to April. Looking at the weather the night Caleb went missing, at 11 p.m. in the area, it was 49 degrees and dropped down to 47 degrees. Thereafter, until at least 3 a.m. With wind at 20 miles per hour, I don't know how much about meth, but would it make you that hot at those temperatures? Hot enough to take your clothes off and lay in water? Not to mention... According to Google Maps, it would take an hour and 54 minutes to walk to where he was found, using the nearest address that the fire department was dispatched to. I would assume if he was truly that high, 
it would probably take you a considerably longer amount of time to walk. To do this, he would have to cross over I-75 on 136. And using Google Earth to view the route, at least 20 houses appear to be close enough to the road where someone would have seen something. When the question's been raised about how someone walks this far nude and not be seen, the answer is it's a rural area. To a certain degree, I agree, but the longest part of that walk would have been along Highway 136, which is a blacktop two-lane road, which appears to be a main road with several clusters of homes, businesses, and large farming areas. I will post some of the Google Earth pictures so you can see and be the judge for yourself. One other thing I'd like to note about this case, there were no, no drug paraphernalia found in Caleb's car. I also didn't see any references that he used drugs recreationally. I did try to reach out to family but didn't get any response because I wanted to ask this question. This is truly a sad case because the facts in this case just don't make sense. How far did Caleb supposedly walk naked that night? He didn't take his clothes off at the Flying J, and they didn't find them where they found him. After going through all this information, I'm starting to wonder, was his clothes being disposed of by the fire that was started? At this point, I guess we'll never know the truth since the police don't feel that there's anything suspicious about this case or the case with Keeslin. I did read some posts on April social media that she was trying to raise money to have her, body, her son's body exhumed to have an independent autopsy done. But the GoFundMe I found was no longer taking donations. April does have a petition on change.org to reopen the death investigation. There's 432 signatures on it at the time of this podcast. And I encourage you to go out and sign this petition. I have a link in the show notes. I truly pray for the family that someday they may get the answers they so desperately seek. For me, what makes this so sad is the injustice in this case had from the get-go by the Gordon County Police. I'm normally the kind of person who tends to side with the police, but not in this case of Caleb and Keeslin. Maybe it's because this is a small rural area and they just don't have the skill set to handle a case like this. I tell my stories in hopes that you will gain a deeper understanding of people that you may not know their stories of. Once again, I'm Big Papa Rob, and this was an independent podcast called Story Rewind. Story Rewind is written and produced and edited by Big Papa Rob. I couldn't do this without the support of my wonderful wife, aka Big Mama. For a donation to help me cover my operating costs, you can buy me a cup of coffee. 
You can find the link in my show notes or on my social media pages. Your support would be greatly appreciated. I'd appreciate a five-star rating if you listen to my podcast through Apple Podcasts. And finally, if you have a story idea, please contact me through my social media. A link to my social media accounts and email is listed in the show notes. I would love to hear from you. Today's music, The Shield by Hot Dope from Pixabay. This was a Big Papa Rob podcast 2023. See the show notes for links to the reference material used in this podcast.